1776. Boys are weird. Radio Law Talk. I like that show. Radio Law Talk. Now back to the show. Cal, give us the answer as to what happened with this oh, sure. uh, case sure, first. Sure. So the question is that uh, these people from India were growing a Frito-Lay brand of potato. Frito-Lay was not happy about that, allegedly. And uh, under the scenario that I established for you, they decided to sue the major buyers in India who were buying these spuds from these small farmers. And the question okay. was, would they do that? And, and Todd I said s- no. I said no case. And he said no, and I said yes. Hmm. So those of you who said it was a case, that would be Fred. Hmm. Well, congratulations, Fred. Yes, Denise, I got you. That's a two-pointer for me. So uh, they sued the big companies and their small-time Indian farmers for growing the Whoa. FL 2027. PepsiCo wanted the farmers to pay a royalty, Denise, here's your monetization angle, of $143,000 each per growing season. And uh, they said they couldn't do that. And so dozens of activists and farmers unions and the Ministry of Agriculture of India, they all climbed up and accused PepsiCo of being bad guys. So they had a hearing. And PepsiCo told Business Insider it would amicably settle. Yep, I told you it settled out. And they only took legal action as a last resort, so their potato brand is protected, and the case was settled away from court. And that is... Oh, my gosh, Fred Penny, I'm so proud of you. Did I say that? Now, now next hour... Denise, I'm ahead. Fred just hurt his shoulder, patting himself on the back. Now, next hour... (laughs) Yes. Next hour, we're going to take you to an an event that occurred in New York City over 100 years ago, but very close to this date. And it, that was, uh, well, let's just say it caused a lot of concern. It involved some young seamstresses and a fire. That's next hour on the right. Law Talk, Case or No Case. Okay, answer my question. Name the company, where, other than Idaho, where, where, um, where they have the potatoes being grown and the acreage. Todd, uh, estimate. I, I think that the name of the company is... Potato Incorporated. There you go. That sounds like and it's, in, it's in California. <laughs> California. And I'm going to say that they have 170,000 acres okay. of potatoes that they're growing. Was there one other one that I had to? Oh, that's good enough. There? And then uh, what, what other states other than are they growing it? You can just, I don't know. That's, uh, no. well, they're, they're growing it in both the uh, real estate. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Next. Go ahead, Denise. And mental state. I have no idea the All name right. of this place, right, but I, I, it's going to have to be related somehow to potatoes, right? Right. I would say that it is uh, Wendy's. Okay, got it. And that it is in Oregon and California. Ooh, that's a good one. And um, like around Klamath, the Tule Lake. Okay. Kind of a, a crossover one. between those two All states. Right. West Coast, Cal. And how many acres? Yeah, how many acres you want? 230,000. Cal, that's a lot of acreage. Probably. I'm going I, to I guess. I'm going to guess. I'm an Idaho guy, so I'm J.R. Simplot's my man, right? But I'm going to guess or Ida. Gotcha. Oregon, oh, Idaho. One. The other states where potatoes are grown as big cash crops are Oregon and Maine. Yeah. Huge potato crops in Maine. And I'm going to guess. How many acres? I'm going to guess a half a million acres. 500,000. Yeah. All right. The company's name is R.D. Oft Farms. They're based at a Fargo, North Dakota. 
What? They grow no potatoes in Idaho. Uh, they have 190,000 acres, Todd, and you guys are both close. close. The places where they grow the potatoes, North South Dakota, Minnesota, Missouri, Texas, and Wisconsin. You can't grow wow. potatoes there. That's the places they grow it. That's a clapping. Can you believe wow, that? That's wow. So the largest one, 190,000 acres. And it's not, they don't even grow, at least according to their website part, they don't grow in Idaho. The answers in every one of those categories were my second choice. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, potatoes we love the dark volcanic soil right. of Idaho. They really right. do. They grow so well there. Luther Burbank developed the most part involved in the in the Rus, Bur, Russet Burbank potato. And believe me, potatoes are Idaho's economic lifeblood. Right. A friend of mine from grade school is the president of the Idaho Potato Association that lobbies nationwide for them. Well, they, it's good. Is it's volcanic, right? Because yep. that really does. That's why yeah. Tule Lake grows potatoes. Exactly right. So this guy's name. And actually, the state of Washington is a big potato grower too. True. Oregon, uh, Eastern, Oregon, Washington, Washington, yeah. Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington. Oregon. Washington, well, guess what? Idaho. They also have the Idaho Potato Bowl in Boise, Idaho. That's yeah. right. They have the bowl. Okay, we're going to talk about the Theranos really quick. Um, let's. Uh, we we talked about this hour number one, but I want to I want to bring up a p- couple things. The issue was we have this TikToker talking about. Um, Elizabeth Holmes, and you brought up some interesting thing, Todd, about why uh, now the trial's going on. Not with Elizabeth; she's they're gonna. She's been found guilty of a few things, and uh, they're going to sentence her in September. But the her partner uh, Belwani is now in trial, and they they're putting up on the stand this TikToker, and I'm going to talk about a few things she she brings up. And you said there's a reason why they're bringing. Her up, and there's a reason why they separated the two trials. Yeah, I mean, sometimes people would think, well, wait a minute, Bolwani and Holmes are charged with the same thing. They're similar things. They're charged with being co-conspirators in this this fraud plot, as it's described allegedly, as it relates to Bolwani. Holmes been found guilty now. Why didn't they try him together? Why, why, why do we have these separate trials? I mean, one of the considerations is separate trials if maybe somebody. One of them ends up testifying against the other, but I've heard nothing, nothing. I mean, we know Bolwani didn't testify against Holmes, and I've heard nothing to suggest that Holmes is going to be called to testify against Bolwani. But one of the reasons why they separate these trials out has to do with statements that were made by co-defendants. So under the law, Hearsay is generally not admissible unless it's a statement made by the defendant in a criminal case. So if it's a, a you, know, you hear those rights, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law, right? So the prosecution can introduce your statements if you are the accused in a trial where you are being charged and tried for something. Well, what happens if they have co-defendants in the case and Holmes made statements that are implicating her, can they be used against Bolwani? And the answer is no, because of the hearsay rule. And the, the, the way that they would get around that, they got two options. If, if they want to bring in statements against one that are not necessarily admissible against the other. Two options. One option, separate trials. And that's what we see right now. Different juries hearing things. Or sometimes they can do them in the same trial, but you actually impanel two separate juries. And when the evidence being brought in against one defendant, statements, things like that happens, the other jury 
leaves the courtroom while that evidence is brought in. It, it's it's a nightmare. Nothing complicated about that. Yeah. So you, you do do you suppose that Elizabeth Holmes' sentencing is later, so that she will testify against her former lover, and maybe they can say, well, we got a sentencing deal here if you come through on the witness stand, which that stuff does happen. I, I, I was I was wondering if that was going to be the case, but I have seen nothing to suggest that Elizabeth Holmes will be called as a witness. And, and the reason why I say that is under the rules of discovery, one party has to disclose to the other side who their anticipated witnesses are. Right. Well, Elizabeth Holmes' name has never been to my knowledge, disclosed to the Bolwani defense team as a potential witness or somebody that the government intends to call in his case. I think that the sentencing was delayed for her because her baby will be over one year old at the sentencing. Because remember, she just had a baby last summer. So that means she can't take the baby to prison if it's over one? No, it's just that it's, you know, a judge may have some sympathy for a new mother and for the baby in particular and letting the baby get a little bit older before they're separated from their mothers is not a bad idea. I, I see I see another reason for sentencing. I mean, obviously they want to see how things turn out with Bolwani to find out if after jury trials, was she the one really pushing this or was he the one really pushing this? Who was the major player? Who was influencing whom? But let's say they're both found guilty of similar conduct. I think what the court really wants to do is to make sure that the sentences handed down are pretty similar because it's not going to look very good if you hammer the young uh, female and you don't hammer the older male when they are convicted of the same yeah, thing. Yeah, that, so that's think, a good point. So they, they could be those... delaying the sentencing so they could do them together. Yes. Or similarly. Yeah. So what What really quick she said, the late, this gal testifying, she said, number one, she liked to go, she had to go as an executive assistant and, uh, what is it, get her juice. The green juice. She wants four juices a day, two in the morning, two in the afternoon, and she said she wanted it fresh only. And you know what she did? She said, I was so busy, I finally just put some in the refrigerator and she thought it was fresh and I switched it around and we give it to her uh, and she didn't know the difference. She but, learned a lot from her boss. And not only that, the other she guy, Milwaukee, would <laughs> kicked, her, kicked her out due to the fact she had black uh, nail polish. We'll be back. We're going to talk more uh, about what's going on in the legal community. Black we'll nail back. polish. That's a deal breaker. We'll be right back with more Radio Law Talk. Stay tuned. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said, My air conditioner broke and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now, and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back. Call now, 800 
Again, that's 800-238-9182. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800-711-9218. That's 800-711-9218. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him, like, a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. That's 800-263-2610. If your loved one has passed away due to COVID-19, pay close attention to this message. You could be entitled to a death benefit of over $300,000. The U.S. government has set up a fund to pay families relief if they've lost a loved one due to COVID-19. We know this is a hard time for you, and this fund has been set up by the federal government to help ease your pain. The compensation includes a death benefit and lost wages benefit. Time is limited, so we urge you to make a free phone call right now. There's no cost to you for this claim. All legal fees are only covered once you receive your money. So if you've lost a loved one due to COVID-19, call the legal helpline right now to find out if you qualify for a cash award. Here's our number. 800-918-7092. 800-918-7092. That's 800-918-7092. Paid for by the IPG Law Group. So you're telling me there's a chance. Oh, come on. Is this real life? Time to get back to Radio Law Talk on RadioLawTalk.com and on your favorite radio station. We're back from the break uh, having some interesting behind-the-scenes conversation. Now, this is what I want to do. I want Denise and Todd to take the position on the Supreme Court ruling on the Navy SEALs recently. And we, we used to do this in law school. We are talking about law school, how the professor would say, Mr. Cunin, will you take the position X, take the position Y? Who wants to tell about what happened with the Supreme Court ruling on the Navy SEALs 
And uh, well, Todd or Denise, you want to start with you or Todd? It's up to you, Denise. Well, you make I, I can lay the background for it. Okay. Or do you want to? Okay, lay so, the background, then Denise, you start with your position, and then Todd, your. I mean, again, this is just taking a position for the argument. If you want to call in, 855 Law Radio. Again, 855 Law. 529 7234. That's it. And if you want to talk about this, go ahead, Todd. All right, so in a nutshell, a little while ago, the Navy, uh, this is after the COVID pandemic started, the Navy instituted a policy saying that everyone had to, all the service personnel had to be vaccinated or they would no longer be able to be deployed and refusal to take the vaccine uh, would be deemed insubordinate and you'd be charged along the lines of failing to comply with a law or with an order of your superiors. Uh, Well, that raised some suspicions or questions on the part of several service members, including Navy SEALs, who claimed they had religious objections to the vaccine. So the Navy came out with a policy allowing for a religious exemption. And 32 Navy SEALs have filed a suit on behalf of them and a bunch of others claiming that while the religious exemption was given by the Navy, it was an impracticality the way the Navy ran that exemption. Nobody was granted any exemptions, and so they filed a lawsuit. The lawsuit is still at the trial level. The lawsuit is not done. The lawsuit is ongoing. But as often happens, sometimes judges will allow for an injunction to happen while the lawsuit is pending, and that's what happened at the trial court. The trial court put an injunction in place preventing the Navy from implementing parts of their vaccination policy. That got appealed to the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit upheld the injunction, and then that was appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. It originally went to Justice Alito, who hears the emergency requests and coming out of that circuit coming out of that circuit and justice alito then passed it on to the entire supreme court for a ruling not on the propriety of the underlying lawsuit but on whether the temporary stay should uh, about the navy's policy whether the temporary stay should continue or if the temporary stay should be lifted and in a 6-3 decision on that limited issue the court decided, ruled, that the stay should be lifted. And there were three justices dissenting. The three justices were Gorsuch, Alito, and Clarence Thomas. Gorsuch and Alito, uh, well, Alito wrote a decision. Gorsuch concurred with that dissent. dissent. And Justice Thomas just said, I dissent. He didn't concur with anything. He just said, I dissent. So that's where we stand. And I guess the question is, did the Supreme Court get it right? in this temporary restraining order issue. And Denise. I feel like they did. Okay. And because, you know, you're always saying follow the science. And one of the major things that was raised here is if they were unvaccinated Navy persons and they were deployed to a ship and they're in a contained ship and they get COVID, they could infect a whole ship. And that whole ship then could no longer be used. Even if they weren't all infected, just some of them were, they would have to be, um, they could not be deployed and they would be ineffective, uh, if you will. So th- it needs more science. That's why I think they lifted the stay in a, in a part. The other part, which is um, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh's a big justice who likes to talk about the three 
branches of government and who has the rights to make decisions in those three branches of government. And in the particular case of the Navy SEALs or any part of the military, that's an executive branch function. And the executive branch has the control, if you will, and can make the rules and, and, and enforce the rules and policies for the military, of which Navy is part of that. So I think that this was a part of parcel of Kavanaugh uh, wanting to um, assert it. They've done this year, they've already done in this um, session uh, legislative, where they've recognized that this is for legislative, it's not for the judiciary, we are stepping back, and if something needs to be done, it's got to be Congress, right? So now they're getting a developing law and helping to develop law, which was well settled, settled um, on the executive um, powers. All right. I think the dissent got it right and I'll, for this reason. The issue before the court should have been this. Is the plaintiff, the 32 Navy SEALs, are they likely to prevail on their claims at the trial court level? If the answer is yes, then clearly the injunction should be in because this lawsuit can take three or four years. And if the Navy SEALs, if there's a likelihood they're going to succeed, well, they'll be suffering for three or four years until they get that trial level decision. That is the issue that should have been before the court, not separation of powers, not whether or not uh, the president is commander in chief, none of that, because that's all red herring issues. If the president is commander in chief and if the military can go ahead and impose rules under their executive functions, they still have to answer whether or not those rules violate the constitutional rights of those that are in the military. There is nothing that allows the president as commander in chief or the military joint chiefs or anything like that to say, hey, because we are the military, we can go and impose any rule and it's not subject to constitutional review. And, and, and so, they, so they can't do that. This is what we know about the underlying lawsuit. Yes, they did impose, the government did impose the vaccine mandate. And yes, they did apply for a religious exemption. About 4,000 people, this is all from the trial level, about 4,000 people applied for the religious exemption. The religious exemption that required 55 zero steps in order to obtain them. The first 35 steps of which were met with form letter after form letter, all rejecting the application. It wasn't until the 35th step that anybody actually was able to read the requests for the exemption. And even then, it was not a decision maker. Of the 4,000 people that applied for the exemption, not one was given the exemption. So when, the, when you look at the likelihood that the, sales, that the SEALs would prevail at trial, the government, to justify the vaccine mandate here, has to prove a compelling governmental interest and that their remedy was the least intrusive means possible for protecting that. And here's where the Navy is going to fail, because the only people who were denied deployment because they didn't get the vaccine were those that argued it on religious exemptions. Yet everybody that didn't get the vaccine because they were allergic to the vaccine or because there was a medical issue and they didn't get the vaccine or they were part of a trial, those folks still unvaccinated were still deployed. 
And so the argument that if you put somebody unvaccinated on a ship and they can infect the entire ship is defeated by the Navy's policy of putting unvaccinated people on the ship because they were allergic to it. Now you've got an equal protection clause problem. And that's why the the trial court and the Fifth Circuit and the dissenting justices looked at this and said the Navy SEALs are probably going to prevail on this because the government can't show least intrusive means used. That's the sole issue. Not any of the other stuff that was raised in Justice Kavanaugh's decision. And because of that, because the sole issue, they should have followed the law that they're supposed to follow when ruling on whether injunctions should or should not be imposed pending the outcome of a trial. And the majority diverted from that, deviated from that completely. They should have stayed on course. The dissent dissent asked them to, and I think the dissent was right. So what happens when you have a um, religious exception to being in the military? military or to acting in that capacity you say i've been taught thou shall not kill so that is my religious right so what happens do you get deployed or do you not get deployed you step out of the military you have to right yeah we have conscientious objectors that were accommodated for when there was the draft right now we have a volunteer military if if that's your objection don't join, Don't the join the military. Yeah. Many were made exactly. medics in the draft. There were made medics in the draft. Many yes. of them were. So what you're arguing is if you don't want to be, if you want to be unvaccinated, then step out of the military. That's exactly. what you're saying. That's exactly. You're saying. Except that for those people that you raised, they can make that choice before they join the military. The SEALs were already in, and then this new restriction was imposed upon them. So it's a different situation. All right. We're going to be back. Hour number three. We got a lot more to talk about, including the Boeing 737 trial we'll be back six minutes top of the hour break for most local affiliates to play news and we'll continue at six minutes after right here don't go away you have been listening to radiolawtalk.com a copyrighted presentation of radio law talk incorporated Hi, this is Wayne Alaroot from my great friends John and Chelsea Jubilee of Energized Health. They're regular guests on my show, sharing their breakthrough science of intercellular hydration. Recently, they were guests at my wedding. Everyone kept saying, wow, you look so much younger, healthier, thinner, Wayne. You look younger at age 60 than 50. What did you do? And I pointed them to John and Chelsea and said, they did it. Go talk to them. Energized Health changed my life. And the proof isn't just in how I look. I lost 25 pounds of fat, including the dangerous visceral fat. And I've kept the fat off for over a year. And I'll be on this program for life because it's sustainable. Don't just take my word for it. I've received more fan mail about Energized Health than any other advertiser in history. John and Chelsea Jubilee are transforming lives. Right now, Energized Health is offering my fans the war 40% off decisive action discount. 40% off. Go to EnergizedHealth.com or call toll-free 888-444-8895. Toll-free 888-444-8895 or EnergizedHealth.com. Do your pets have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dynovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 
For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dynavite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dynavite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dynavite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. is a live copyrighted presentation ladies and gentlemen it's time now for radiolawtalk.com with your host frederick penny attorney at law and now radiolawtalk.com so here at radio law talk we are all about points what are points in the case or no case denise todd and i the winner, whoever has the most points at the end of case or no case, 50-point total, the other parties have to buy dinner for. And that's been going on for years now that we've been doing this. The last three times, Denise won, I won, and Todd won. And we are so busy during COVID, we never really did it. But it wiped the three of them out, right? We all got wiped out. This is the first official one that there's no excuse that we have to do the lunch thing, at least a lunch, right? And um, we're getting close, and I just took over points because you know what happened? Ladies and gentlemen, go back and listen to Denise's discussion where she said, I'm so far ahead. <laughs> I Remember that, Denise? I'm like, uh-oh, you just jinxed yourself. And I did. Now she I jinxed, jinxed myself. And now we are, I'm one point ahead. I'm at 50, I'm at 40 what? You're at 46 and I'm at 45. Uh-oh. And Todd is at 42, so 46, I think. 45. But the no, point 40, is, at 40. so we can't really win on this one. But next week, you guys come and we'll see who's going to win. But this case or I no case. I always give him a chance. I get so far ahead that I feel guilty and I give him a chance oh, to catch up. Oh, oh, you're, you're very nice, Denise. I know. I'm just yes. not competitive I enough. Know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's not great. She's just so compassionate and kind. She says she's not competitive enough, but if she loses a case or no case. No, no, she is a, no, I know her personally. She is a compassionate, kind person. But when it comes to you play a game against her or you do something, ooh, you look out, the claws are coming out. She is not going to. All right, with that, let's roll case or no case, see if Denise can pass me up. To play case or no case. All right. It was a warm Saturday in New York City, March the 25th, 1911. On the top three floors of the 10-story Ash Building, A-S-C-H, just off Washington Square, employees of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, a manufacturer of medium-grade shirts for private labeling for retailers, began putting away their work. Because quitting time was 4.45 p.m., they started, they put in long days. Most of the several hundred Triangle Shirtwaist employees were teenage girls, recent immigrants. Many barely spoke English, if any, at all. Their pay? $12 for 15 hours. And then 
came the startling cry from the floor below. Fire. As soon as the girls got the word, they ran for the door. It was locked to prevent theft. The other door opened inward and, and opened onto a flimsy fire escape. So the few people who got out to the fire escape, in horror, the fire escape collapsed. And then girl after girl jumped out of the building to avoid burning to death. And then came the relatives coming in at this makeshift morgue, and the coroner came and said this was so bad that he cried himself. So came the funerals and then charges and potential lawsuits. Workers' families were quick to find representation to see if they could sue, and prosecutors looked to see if they could build a case. This has a lot of facets, and I'm going to ask you, first off, case or no case, if so, civil or criminal, and if so, what was the outcome? So this is a four-point case or no case, and Denise Dirks, you're going first. Yes, you've got civil, criminal, outcome, outcome, four points. Okay, so go ahead. What do you think? This was a criminal case, and the um, the the owners, the factory owners, yeah, actually were found and prosecuted and found guilty um, because they they knew that they had locked all of the doors. And then civilly, there were a lot of lawsuits that came out of this, um, and in the civil arena, um, there was. There was no case. I think that it, and no, wait, civil arena, there was, yeah, no case. All right, fair enough. So you say guilty. The two men who owned the factory were found guilty for deliberately locking the door, knowingly locked the door. Correct. And you say in the civil case, there may have been cases filed, but nobody prevailed uh, except the company. Okay, Fred, what's your take on this? So, yes, I, I'm trying to think back to law school. I believe this was in this is law absolutely. school books. Yeah, I remember this. So it's a case, and they were criminally charged. I remember that. Um, the civil issue. I, I'm going to say, yes, they were civilly charged. I mean, there were civil cases brought, and the winner was the families and, uh, of the people who passed away and or families of, and or the injured. So I'm going to say... Yes, all the way across the board. And so I'm going to change from Denise, who said no civil cases. All right, Todd, what do you say, my friend? When did this happen? 1911, March 25th. March 25th, 1911. Yes, sir. Yes, so my answer on this case, more for strategic reasons than anything else, no case across the board, no criminal case, no civil case, um, and that this was actually, you know, I'm going to say no criminal case. And I'm going to say that there was a civil case, but that the defendants win. Okay, now for a bonus point, if there were civil cases and awards were given, how much was the award? Let's do that. That'll be a fun bonus point. What do you mean? I'm going to interrupt. But per person or gross total? Let's just say per person. Let's pay per person. How how many people were involved? How do we do that? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, you don't don't know that. That's why I say. is there a gross amount we can use? uh, Yes, about. uh, I don't want to give you that. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So let's let's just say um, whoever's closest to the gross amount, Cal. Is that okay? Yeah, fair enough. I guess it's on you. Yeah. $100,000. Okay. 1911, huh? Yep. 50 grand. Okay, Todd, what do you think? $101,000. Oh! oh. 
You're going Aaron. Price is right here, That's guys. That's right. He's going Aaron Rodgers on this whole thing. Yes. All right. Let's find out. I want to find out. I don't want to wait for a break on this one. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I will tell you. This is a fascinating story, and I found it, by the way, with all credit to the History Channel because I subscribe to their This Day in History feed. So here's what we know about this. Two weeks after this horrid, awful, awful fire in New York City, the cases began to pile up, criminal cases. And Denise, interestingly, came up with a great point. She said they were found guilty because they knew the door was locked. Actually, they were not found guilty because they were able to establish in court that they did not know that that door was locked. So that's what they established in court, and they were acquitted of that. As far as the civil cases... $75 $75 per life. Whoa. So, oh, gosh. Yep. I knew I was closest. I was closest. You Se- were. Because yep. I knew it wouldn't be much. $75 times 146. Oh, that's me. Whoa. That's a lot of deaths. Well, Out of this, yeah, so do you, yeah, 75 times 146. times 146. Out of this, labor laws were changed. Union agreements were found, founded. So, uh, but, anyway, yeah. so ten, I only get one ten, $10,900. I get uh, there was total four, so I, I only missed on one. So that's three for me. Yep. Todd missed on all of them. I missed on all of them. And by the Zero. way, according oh to court gosh. testimony, you know how much money was actually stolen that these guys allegedly locked the door for, unknowingly locked the door? How much? $25. And they were worried about people. St- right. And then that was the total kids. loss that they could establish. How many? 140 died? 146. This was Ooh. a major, horrible disaster. Oh, my gosh. I remember this. I remember it, too. I can't remember the name of it, but I do remember that it was criminal. Well, the company's name was Shirt Waste, W-A-I-S-T, like a shirt and your waist. And uh, this was a major scene in New York City at the time, obviously. Now we got uh, coming up, we're going to have a bunch of other cases we're going to discuss, but more important, we're going to do our quick takes at the end. We'll be back. Yep. Thanks, Brett, and thank you folks for listening to Radio Law Talk on your favorite local radio stations and, of course, on RadioLawTalk.com. You turn on Radio Law Talk. Radio Law Talk. aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. I've got to get my car washed. This dirt, it just won't do. Best thing about Quick Cut Car Wash is whenever you go through, the smell on your car is always great, and they have super fun lights and colors. But I don't have no time today, I don't know what I do. Your car smells good and it's clean at Quick Quack Car Wash. And I know this place right down the road. Quick Quack quick, quick, car, car, car Wash. Quick Quack Car Wash. Get the Quick Quack confidence. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Get the Quick Quack habit. Take a car once a week. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. I like Quick Quack because of the mascot, Quackles. Come on, Quick Quack. So we sell unlimited membership for per vehicle. You can add a family plan and add an additional vehicle at a discounted rate. Don't drive that dirty car. Hi, my name is 
Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. That's 800-263-2610. Medicare rules are confusing. They should be. There are over 130,000 pages of regulations. There's Part A through D, Medicare Advantage, and Medigap. According to the CMS, there are government programs available that can help you pay for your medical expenses. Choosing the right Medicare plan is a really big deal. The wrong choice can cost you a lot of money, and the right choice can put more money in your pocket. Call one of our licensed representatives today. At 65 Plus Medicare, our free service can show you a plan that will maximize your Medicare benefits Ensure you are taking advantage of all available government assistance programs and save you money. Plus, call right now and get a free report on how to avoid costly Medicare mistakes. Call now. 800-220-7612-800-220-7612-800-220-7612-800-220-7612. I knew I had a problem. I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone, like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Are you serious? Time to get back to Radio Law Talk on RadioLawTalk.com and on your favorite radio station. Those of you who don't know, there was an abduction supposed case out of California that had an interesting twist and some possible prosecutions going on. Let's turn to our former prosecutor, Todd Cunin, uh, to talk about this. Yeah, this one goes back to the uh, offense. This goes back quite a ways to November of 2016. This caught national news. A mom in Northern California, her name was Sherry Papini, 
went missing in a a long search for her. And after a few weeks, she shows up on the side of the road, 100, 200 miles away from where she lived. And she'd been branded on her arm. And and she claims that she was abducted by two females. She's returned to her husband and her children. Joyous reunions had. Happy to have her back. But, you know, something just didn't sit right with law enforcement, and they kept at it. They investigated. They wanted to find these perpetrators, <laughs> as law enforcement would want to do. Just because the victim is back doesn't mean that the justice has, injustice has not occurred, and it needs to be righted. And so they continued looking for these perpetrators, again, described by Miss Papini as two Hispanic females that abducted her. And... She never mentioned that any men were involved. Well, as one of the things that we'll they— We'll make it G-rated, too. Right? One of the things that they investigate is, is they investigate her clothing and herself to see, was any DNA evidence left? I mean, look, if you touch people and stuff, you could have something here. And, and they uh, investigated her sundries where they found male DNA. DNA coming back to a male. She'd never said there was any male. So they tested it further. And the male DNA, they found out, didn't, didn't come back to her husband. And so that led law enforcement to think, well, wait a second. Here. Certain type of DNA, too, right, Yes, Todd, we don't want to I, I, don't, I don't, you know, the, the reports weren't clear. Yeah. They just said it was DNA samples that came back from a male. They knew it was not female based upon the genetic markers. So they searched further, and it turns out, Lo, this six years later in 2022, law enforcement goes to Miss Papini and she was placed under arrest for faking the 2016 kidnapping. The investigation led to the person positively identified by that DNA found in Miss Papini's underwear. And he eventually confessed that during the time that Miss Papini was missing, she was actually with him in his apartment and that they were together and then eventually she had to go back and so she is now being prosecuted for perpetrating this hoax that has caused a lot of the expenditure of a lot of law enforcement resources and what have you and and it remains to be seen because her husband has been supportive of her this entire time it remains to be seen because this is so new how that relationship will turn out and what will happen going forward as a result of her uh, involvement in the criminal process. The new court documents just released today also indicate, um, by the way, this is from up in my neighborhood, the new court documents uh, that I just read indicated there was another mystery man from Michigan. But he said, no, we didn't spend any time together. And yeah. and I, I had known about that. Yeah. Yeah. This person was questioned and said, yes, we he did talk, but I, he was able to show that he was not anywhere near the area at that time right. and had never been there. But it does appear, or the allegations as part of the prosecution, the prosecution, I think, is going to allege and try to show that um, – this is a, a, a type of conduct in terms of meeting other individuals that might have been uh, a pattern for Miss Papini. We'll see what comes out, but we will follow this one. In addition, yeah. she also received victims of crime monies. Um, so they're charging her also with um, that fraudulent behavior because if, in fact, she faked the kidnapping, she would not have been a victim and have been able to utilize the victims of crime. That is, that is correct. And so, and that comes from where, Denise and Todd? 
How do they get that money? How does the government get that money? Okay, so everybody who's convicted of a crime, there'll be a fine. And, for for example, for DUI cases right now in my jurisdiction, the standard fine is $450 plus penalties and assessments. Now, when they tack on those penalties and assessments, that $450 fine ends up being somewhere between two or $3,000. And one of the assessments is a small portion gets paid into the Victims of Crime Fund. Right. And that fund, everybody who commits a crime pays a small amount that goes to the Victim of Crime Fund, and money from that fund is then dispersed to... As the and title indicates, victims of crime, and she received some of that money. And a lot of drug deals. They have cars that they take, or they take yes. boats away from people. That goes a lot of that goes in the victim of crimes. That's right. At least a portion of it. Yeah, some of it of goes it. to the agencies, right. the enforcement agencies. Right. Well, like thirty five thousand, thirty six thousand bucks. Then she also got some GoFundMe nice people money too, of like forty five thousand right. dollars, which so would also be based upon fraud. fraud. That's yeah. right. And yeah. the authorities came to her and said, Ms. Papini. We have you cold. We have the evidence. We're going to lay it right out here in front of you. And she said, nope, two Mexican women and her dark SUV. She stuck with it. And they said, okay, right. went and arrested her in front of her kids. <laughs> you know, they didn't like that. But you keep the cops waiting for that long. They're not going to be that nice to you. And no. see, I was wondering if the statute of limitation, what is it on that type of a, a crime? Because this happened in 2016, uh, the alleged kidnapping. And here we are in 2022. So... Well, statute of limitations on certain offenses start to run when law enforcement knew or should have known that an offense has occurred, and it would have taken them a while. The interesting thing from a, from a criminal defense attorney standpoint is after she was returned, after she came back, after being gone for three weeks, if she, as part of her claim, had said a man was involved and there was some sort of sexual assault going on, she might have avoided any subsequent charges because that would explain the presence of male DNA. Her story that never talked about a man did not square with the evidence, which is what spurred further investigation. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about a UC Berkeley lawsuit. We are going to get to the 737 Max jet uh, prosecution of one of the employees um, and what happens there. We're going to talk about Bob Saget. Uh, we also going to talk about the USFL if we can get to it. And then we've got quick takes at the very end. So hold on. Thanks, Fred, and thanks, Denise and Todd, and thank you for listening, folks. There's more Radio Law Talk coming up right here on many local favorite radio stations and on RadioLawTalk.com. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In, ready to grow with you. Here's Fred Penny with Penny and Associates. When you or a family member have been injured in an accident, what should you look for in a personal injury lawyer? The first thing is an experienced personal injury law firm that is actually taking cases to trial. 
Hi, I'm Frederick Penny, managing partner and founder of Penny & Associate Injury Lawyers. For over 30 years, Penny & Associate Injury Lawyers has been successfully representing individuals and their families. At Penny & Associates, we're experienced trial lawyers, and we work with you to get the best results. Go to pennyandassociates.com or call 800-616-4529. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. I've got to get my car washed, this dirt, it just won't do. But I don't have no time today, I don't know what I do. And I know this place right down the road, quick, quack, car wash. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cutting shine. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. Come on, quick, quack, car wash. Don't drive that dirty car. Quick, quack, car wash. They'll have you looking sharp. 